What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Welcome, friends. You're tuned in to another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. Thank you very much for your time and your company for our show today. My name's Imran. We have an excellent show. Uh, before we jump into that, however, a quick reminder that the Blue in Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, the online internet radio station that broadcasts from London and um, hosts shows. It's very fortunate uh, to host shows from across the world. So we uh, would love your company as uh, we each take the time to celebrate. Uh, some of our absolute favorites in contemporary soul, jazz, funk, uh, Latin, and uh, hip hop music. So, um Please check us out at blueingreenradio.com where you'll find our uh, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week radio stream uh, packed with awesome shows. You can also find on our website the complete backlist catalogue of the Blue In Green podcast which features lots of uh, chats with um Uh, Blue and Green Radio presenters and uh, some incredible artists that we're always really, really excited to be able to share time with and kind of learn about them and their journey and their processes, etc., which is a wonderful segue to today's episode. Um, Super excited about kind of everything that's... um, happened uh i guess regarding uh millennium jazz music and us over the past kind of couple weeks uh we've i i've been uh, really taken by the label for for some time and um i think i'd always wanted a way to just say hi and kind of introduce uh, us and uh the station and um so where are we now about seven weeks ago we officially launched a uh, label series uh, which airs currently on a saturday at 7 p.m uk time the label series is called in focus it's a two-hour music only mix traditionally uh of uh, just uh, various blue and green radio presenters uh, celebrating uh, just these amazing labels that we just uh, you know that kind of um provide us the uh the continual um uh adoration of the music that we just you know we love and uh i thought it would be kind of a cool way to kind of introduce um Lillian jazz music to, to to us and you know i can't get over uh how fortunate we are that uh kind of i reached out to gadget and um, he was really really kind and gracious enough to kind of agree to prep something to prep an amazing two-hour mix um trawling through years of stunning releases from millennium jazz music so we uh for episode six and you can find the link uh in our description and on the website as well for the actual mix that we aired as part of as um, episode six of the in focus series so we have that and then from that um that amazing mix it kind of led to us having the 
uh, good fortune of spending time with uh, Gadget, the uh, Millennium Jazz Music uh, founder and recording artist, uh, for one of these episodes, for the podcast episode, which you're about to hear. So uh, it's it was it's it's a great conversation. It's always really really exciting to, as I say, uh, kind of learn about. Uh, how uh, processes and everything kind of come together Uh, they've been around for some years now and uh, they grow from strength to strength and um, uh, yeah it was just it's a super cool conversation so really really grateful to Gadget for his time uh, with the mix with the conversation as well Uh, regular listeners of the uh, podcast will know we feature two songs per episode Uh, our guest features uh, our guest gets the uh, opportunity to pick the show's closing number whilst I have the opportunity to pick the opening song uh, which we're about to hear and uh, I thought it would be most apt to pick something from the very first project of Millennium Jazz Music I ever came across released in 2015 Uh, they have a stunning uh, tribute to the music of Billie Holiday entitled Lady Day 100 Years of Billie Holiday we discussed the project uh, during the episode so I won't go too much into it at this point um, but I thought from that project I would pick uh, a track and it would uh, seems only apt to pick the Gadget track uh, from the album which is uh, Gadget and Dawn McKenzie and their version of Billie Holiday's Waterfront so I will leave you with that and at the song's conclusion we'll go straight into our conversation uh, with uh, Millennium Jazz Music's uh, founder and um, uh, and recording artist, as I say. So I very much hope you enjoy the show uh, and uh, we'll f- continue to check us out, check out Millennium Jazz Music. You can check out their Bandcamp page. Let me quickly give you that. Um, MillenniumJazz.Bandcamp.com and uh, that will be in the description of this uh, show as well. So uh, thank you very much, friends. Um, please check us out as well at blueandgreenradio.com. Uh, Billy Holiday, Gadget, Dawn McKenzie to the stage, please. Hope you guys enjoy the show. I'll look
well, speaking of, of, of music and putting stuff together, I think that's probably the best place for me to start, to, to thank you uh, infinitely for your incredibly gracious uh, two-hour uh, kind of introduction yeah. uh, to Millennium Jazz music. I mean, what a that was such a joy that you, I was over the moon that you did it. Um, I kind of wanted to reach out to you for quite a while but i think i was always like well you know how what do i say what am i asking sort of thing yeah, yeah. And then when we started this this uh, label series i just thought this is the kind of the perfect thing to uh to kind of say hi about and sort of see if you would kind of be up for it and you were and it was glorious and i can't thank you enough dude no it's, it's, it's a pleasure man i mean as i say i've done any mixes and anything for a long time so um i just bought a few new bits and that so it was a it was good timing it was a nice time to get a mix involved so there's a few i want to do but yours was the first i just put yours at the top of the list and went right Wonderful. let's get that done yeah <laughs> so it's, it's a daunting task i mean i've i kind of inconsiderately asked you to raid a catalog of a label that's been going since 2003 and uh, you know that's you know obviously with other, other releases coming from 2008 the amount of music that you have on your bandcamp page is you know it, it, <laughs> there was probably a part of me that thought leave me alone don't ask me to kind of trawl through all this incredible stuff i mean i, I you know i, I said that i'm kind of ending yeah. with I'm, I'm beginning with my ending point but i think i said to you about you know what? What's that like when you kind of look at that? What you've kind of created over these years, and that must come with an incredible sense of pride, right? Definitely, definitely. I mean, we're always on like the front foot. We're always looking at the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. So it's it's not a lot of time. There isn't a lot of occasions where I stop and I look at what we've got and what we've done. You know what I mean? Because we're always all right. That's done. Okay, what's next? And just just in order for me to stay on top of things in the mix, we do like a lot of compilations, we've got some single stuff. And then, uh, you know, a lot of the guys are doing their solos as well. So me, I'm one of them people, if I don't do it straight away, it don't get done. So <laughs> it's, I just try and stay on top of everything and just keep going forward. So, but every now and again, you get someone like yourself and make you stop and go into the archive and you look back and you're like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. very proud, very proud. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, you, um, so I, I guess going back to kind of the label's kind of beginnings, I mean, you kind of walked into the uh, the idea of it, I guess, as a as a, a an MC, as a DJ, as a, a part time musician, as a producer, as a yeah. beat maker. I mean, you you kind of had all these things that you were kind of developing uh, already, and then how, how you know what was your kind of I guess yeah your your interest in music from the from the start. I mean, how how does this kind of become something that you kind of want to explore in of itself? Um, I guess it just came natural. Like where I came coming from, I'm from um, Hackney originally, from um, like North North One near Dalston and Kingsland Road and whatnot. It's an area there called the Beauvoir State, probably one of the most filmed states. You, you see it on like Lufa, you see it in everyone's right. music videos. <laughs> everyone's there filming in our in our old estate, and um, it was just it was just music everywhere. You know, I mean, my family did music. My mum was a singer. My dad's a producer. My brother was like a breaker and all that. My sister and her crew were like doing the local discos and you know what I mean. And we had radio yeah. stations in the in the area and all of that. So it, 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 there was a lot of inspiration. And um, my thing in the beginning, I was more on, on the ragga tip. <laughs> Everyone could get on a mic and chat, sort of thing, and have little battles. And later on, I kind of went into the um, the drum and bass side of things. So my 
first thing that I went at pretty hard was um, being like a drum and bass DJ and MC. I was more known as a, the DJ in Hackney, you know what I mean? Like we started in the flats and then we blew up in the flats and then it branched out and then we was representing Hackney and it just went like that. And then um, as time went on, I as I was doing the lyrics and stuff as well, I wanted to say more, you know, some life experiences were influencing me and I wanted to say some stuff get more lyrical on the mic and the drum and bass thing. It was more hooks and stuff and it wasn't really, right. people weren't telling stories and things like that. So I kind of started writing songs, went to R&B and hip hop and I was always, again, hip hop was always there. And um, yeah, I just started focusing more on hip hop and the more stuff I was putting out, I was enjoying it and dabbling with the jazz and, the, and, and all sorts and went on a couple of forums, met a few like-minded people. We linked up, did shows, did ciphers. And it just grew, and it just went from there, and it just it just kept going. But so the idea of kind of millennium jazz music, I mean, how does how does that? Did you try to get signed before? Was that sort of the idea of of kind of doing it yourself? How how did that idea come about? Um, first, I've never even considered doing a label. My brother always used to say, "You know what? You're going to do a label one day," and I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> but. Um, just because I was like, I guess I come up in that community spirit where, it's, you know, there's a lot of us doing certain things and we just keep that togetherness going. So I guess between that and me, I was a carer at the time. I was working in care and just always trying to involve people and school people and stuff like that. And um, Millennium Jazz itself, the name came from a song. It was a song that I did. I was just freestyling and just made this really dark jazz tune and I called it Millennium Jazz. This is my Millennium Jazz because I was saying like, people never knew what I was going to come with when I get on the microphone and whatnot. So it was like, they didn't know if I was going to be on like reggae, if I was going to be singing, if I was going to be rapping, if it was like a battle talk and influenced by my uncle, who's a keyboard player. He was like, like jazz then in it because jazz is spontaneous. So you're spontaneous, isn't you? So I was like, yeah. And that's the way I want to go forward for the new millennium. So I'll just put that together with millennium jazz. And that was the name of the track. And it went from there. And then I just liked the name and I just kept the name. Um, again, coming back from that sound clashing type background, Millennium Jazz was like our sound. So I'd get certain people um, from up north, down south, whatever. We formed a little crew. I just tried to have a little bit of everyone involved. Like I was a bit of an all-rounder. There's my friend Diligent Fingers. He's a bit of an all-rounder. And there's a guy called Ed. He was more on a reggae thing. We had a female rapper called Awakening Dawn from um, um, Scouse from Liverpool. My friend Slugger T, rest in peace, he passed away a little while ago. He was like the the, the, the funny guy, the funny rapper. Um, just tried to cover all bases and just have a bit of everything in there. And um, mm. yeah, and it just started to form into this collective and then slowly into a label. And I think, so that was rolling from like 2003 onwards, but it wasn't until 2008 where someone actually sent me a demo tape. And then that was the beginning. That's so, that's so cool. It's so interesting because that that you talked about that kind of community kind of uh, approach to it. I mean, that's really kind of very reflective in so many of like the labels projects, which I'll I'll mention later, I guess. Like, but like jazz jousters and you know the the Dilla yeah. thing that we we recently connected over, like th this kind yeah, of yeah. get everyone involved in these presentations of of these you know these celebrate celebratory kind of projects and you kind of do it as a as a team and that kind of community spirit kind of extends even all these years later which is amazing 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I must say, I've I've been blessed to work with a lot of good people. Um, just that are just down for the music. Every now and again, you get some of these people that are just all about money and this, and it just doesn't work. And my motto has always been chemistry first. I don't care how big you are, how small you are. If we can't vibe, yeah. not interested. Like you know, what I mean, it's the chemistry first. If we if we got a nice rapport and everything, then let's go. And that's the way it's been. And luckily, I've had let's say 99% of the people, 99% of the people I've been working with, that's just been a blessing. So, it's amazing, yeah, yeah, it's nice. So the longevity is there. I like that some people I've been working with for like 10, 15 years. Some yeah. guys, they constantly come back with their new project. You know what I mean? They're happy to do it with MJM. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's I'm, I'm happy for that. I'm grateful. It's amazing. How did you like, I guess, because going back to like the really early, uh, kind of MJM releases, obviously, primarily their stuff that you're releasing um, yeah. a, as well. But when you kind of make that transition to, I, you know, I, I want to be an artist and I'm going to put my stuff out. And then you, you know, you create the label and now you're having to put yourself in a situation where you're facilitating other people's projects and you have to sort of do right by them and you have to give them the that moment to shine i mean that's kind of like pride in a completely different context isn't it when something yeah. takes off and you're like well yeah i'm happy for this person this talent has now kind of reached people's ears where they potentially wouldn't have yeah yeah definitely it's definitely two two separate worlds it's mad because back in the day all i had to balance was either am i producer or am i an mc and I could never get that balance right. And now this has sort of brought a third string into it. But um, I kind of focus on, you know, when it's, when it's someone's got their thing and all that, I just make sure they get theirs. As far as I'm concerned, the way I did it at the end of the day, the label is bigger than Gadget. You know what I mean? I am Gadget and I'm still trying to do my stuff as an artist as well. But especially when the Jazz Jouster stuff was coming and we got a deadline to do something and it'd be like, well... If everyone's met the deadline and I'm the one that hasn't come through yet, I can't make it. I've missed the deadline. You know what I mean? Like the crew, the, the yeah, squad, yeah. the label is bigger than, than than Gadget. So sometimes a lot of my personal stuff has had to take a backseat because I just want to make sure everyone gets what they deserve. You know what I mean? They've put the work in yeah. and just need to come through for them. Yeah. What, what? How do you kind of find, what's the, I suppose, you know, being uh on the creative side of things where you want to put something out and um, you want to create basically, I mean, you're now in that situation where that marketing hat has to come on and you have to find ways to present mm. things uh, and reach people. And you're, you're doing it now, I suppose, if you look at it, the, the digital era, I mean, if you're, you've been, you know, music for quite a long time, right. And you've seen trends yeah. evolve. You've seen yeah. uh, formats evolve, you know, where this is the Spotify generation, as I'm very sure you're aware. Um, yeah, but yeah. Like, how do you, to, to, do you find yourself where you're, you think, no, I'm not going to address that crowd. Or do you find yourself having to continually, rethink your approach to stuff and how to to kind of contend contend these sort of evolving kind of markets and stuff like that if that question made sense <laughs> yeah i mean you do yeah yeah you, you you do like i remember when um the first time i was looking at like cassettes i think i saw madlib and that doing a few tape releases and i thought i mean i love tape i come from the tape era i got all my tapes under my bed all my yeah. raving tapes and stuff so i was like you know what I want to put a tape out and started going there. And then the tape thing kind of took off and it brought a whole new community of people. So 
for a while we started to feed that and join them and start a little um, a series like for the Jazz Jousters. We did one called the Location Series, where each tape was based on a different country. So it was like locations, Japan. So we all sampled or made music from Japan or sounded like mm. J- something from Japan. Um, then we did Brazil, France, mm. Germany. It just went on. We did like a 10 part series. Amazing. And that was for the tape uh, community. So, and that was new, you know what I mean? So, yeah, when you see a little something there, then yeah, we, we, we gave it a try. But at the same time, when you talk about on the marketing and things like that, sometimes, yeah, there are certain things that don't work. Obviously, once upon a time, we were all on MySpace. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, or SoundCloud, which would, if, if you really go back, um, not SoundCloud, SoundClick. There was a site called SoundClick. A lot right, of us started on there. Right. Um, Gosh, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, it's sometimes you know you you got to see what's what's happening, what's working, and what's not. And sometimes you you get you're a bit late on it, and sometimes you catch it early. And sometimes things pop up, and people are telling you about it, and you're like, "No, nah, I've never heard of it. I'm just going to keep moving." And then it turns out to be one of the next best things, and then you're going back on it to yeah, check that, it out again. So, uh, yeah, the, the tape yeah, thing, yeah. the tape thing was something I wanted to ask you about as well, because like that, yeah, that I suppose that the fact that that has its own like market that just really it really surprises me like i'm i'm the same i've i've still got all my old like cassettes from from the 90s and things that i bought and compilations i made you know and stuff that i don't yeah. have anywhere else they're just sitting on there but i always get even now like on bandcamp and labels like yourselves when you see like oh my gosh they're selling tapes and it says sold out and it's like wow you know the idea that, yeah. that that's become like a, a thing that's always really really surprises me like it, it like in a great way but um, it's, mm, it's, mm. it's incredible that that market kind of still exists. And yeah, was that like a difficult decision where you kind of thought, shall we do this? Like, or was it like, did you kind of go into it with a level of kind of confidence? Um, to be fair, at the time, like for the Jazz Jousters, they were doing, we were doing really well, like on Bandcamp. Um, and we put aside a little budget, like from the little downloads that we were getting and stuff. And um yeah, we just thought we'd, we'd we'd just give it a go. Like I spoke to everyone. One thing I always try and keep everyone in the loop. So I'll go in like the main guys anyway, and I'm like, All right, this is the idea. Da, 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 da. What do you guys think? And everyone was like, yeah, like everyone wants a bit of physical anyway. And we was our main goal was to try and get our first vinyl. So where we could in this case we could use some of the budget to do something a bit smaller, not as expensive, but we still get a little physical project that we can all hold. So we gave it mm-hmm. a go. And and it, and, it, and it went well, and because we were doing well at the time, sold out. We did a couple of runs of the first tape, and it, it it just kept selling out. So we just moved to the next volume and the next volume, and slowly it got us the funds to put out our first vinyl. Amazing. That's so. Well, what, remember what the first vinyl was? What for? What project? Indeed, it it's called Endurance. <laughs> <laughs> Endurance, and it was just like a fitting name. If you see the artwork, it's like a road going in, going like into like into the into yonder and in, in the mountains in the distance, and like like a typical like American type um, image. Right. But um. But yeah. But it just meant how long we'd been doing what we were doing and and trying yeah. to get the dream was vinyl. And like I say, like I'm blessed to be working with some good people because at the beginning I was like, look, there's a little, little, little funds. There's some funds coming in. I'm happy to just we all just split it equally, or we can put it in the pot and we try and do this dream. And every single one of them just says, no, put it in the pot, put it in the pot, and that's what we oh, did. Okay. So 
that's when we went with the tapes and used a bit of this and that and just helped to build it up. And shout out to HHV. HHV, we did a project with them um, called The Vault, which was like the best of the Jazz Jousters. So they put that out, I did the tape, and then they put it on double vinyl. Yeah, so they gave us a bunch of records and we got a little, um, some funds for that. So all of that went back in a pot and again brought us closer to do Endurance. They're basically a label and a shop. They do, they've got a clothes shop and um, and a record shop in Berlin, all in one, and they've got an online right. store. Check them out, hhv.de. Um, great place to go get music, as I say, and get some fashion and whatever, whatever the stuff they sell. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time knowing who they were from a distance in the beginning to the point that now we kind of work together. So, yeah, we've done a couple of projects together, but they helped us to get our first vinyl going. Yeah. Um, how do you kind of like, uh, again, being the hard copy, as you've said, you know, have that fondness for it. I mean, how do you kind of tackle that kind of streaming kind of culture? Like is, is I, I'm not, I'm not a subscriber to Spotify or anything like that. So like uh, no. is Millennium Jazz, is it all, I'm sorry, I always assumed I wouldn't be able to find anything uh, on Spotify, but is that completely wrong? Or have you, have you, but catered your releases to Spotify as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're all over Spotify, these are oh. iTunes. We're there. It's funny because at the beginning, probably around when we were doing the the locations tapes, um, I just kept feeding to sending the albums to Spotify. Back then, iTunes was the thing. Everyone wanted to be on iTunes, so I thought, yeah. you know what? Let's just put it up there and just you know see if anyone likes it there. And um, and nothing was happening. There was no. It, that 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 what would you call it? That era hadn't started yet, so we were just sending stuff there. We was probably losing more money than getting anything because of how much it was costing with the distributor I was using at the time. But um, but it just kept feeding it. You know, what I mean, we just wanted it to be on another another platform while we were doing the tapes. We were just content with the tapes, and um, yeah. And then one day we got a report, and it was like, okay, something's changing, and then. Yeah, it was the beginning of that that streaming craze. Wow, it's such a difficult thing to navigate, isn't it? Yeah, because I mean, you don't know. I mean, in the beginning, because the collective especially was doing well, and various people off of the collective, yeah, everything was just everything that went up just started going mad after a few years of nothing. And um, yeah, but nowadays, like you say, you just never know how it's going to go. Some things do well, some things don't. Um, but yeah, I think there is a lot of trends and clickiness going on amongst them all and all of that but you know i won't get too much into all of that but yeah Yeah. a lot of the same people seem to get placed than some of these newbies and 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 stuff but um but regardless i think it's always something somewhere worth putting your music on these digital platforms yeah there was a thing um like i think i've I think someone sent like a Financial Times like a video uh, that they had prepped about sort of industry related music industry related like um, um, stuff and there was a thing about in the States apparently last year uh, which I don't know if it surprised me or not but last year was like a record year for music sales and music for for the industry in general Um, in the States last year was was, they did huge numbers apparently and like 80% of of profits uh, came from streaming, uh, which is a statistic. Like, I, I guess that kind of surprised me. I always knew streaming culture was, you know, I suppose the prevalent way 
that people kind of source their music but i never would have thought it was 80 percent of you know the um of 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 its of its money had basically come from that last year and also the event yeah. last year i don't know if it made me surprised or not the fact that it was such a successful year because i guess in a way people are home uh but obviously money is yeah. i guess i don't know money's tight for some people but then they're saving some at the same time depending on your job and mm. your, your current lifestyle but uh yeah i was always really surprised by that i mean it's it's streaming like uh, one of the sort of the leading sources for you guys as well I think it for us it kind of varies between artists. Like some guys right. get more attention on a band camp. Some guys are more popular on you know an iTunes or a Spotify or you know yeah it, it kind of it kind of varies. But that doesn't surprise me. Right. Was it last year you said that they said it was? Yeah, 80%? yeah, last year apparently. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have said generally it don't surprise me because I mean I know some guys in the scene in general who they do really well. So it's like considering what kind of streams they're getting, and there's a lot of them out there. Yeah, I'm not surprised mm. that it could add up to like 80%. But last year, especially, especially for the the, the, the beat heads, even the rappers and stuff, um, well, musicians all around, I guess, because of the whole being indoors thing, a lot of people were just making more music. So even yeah. to put stuff yeah. up with, with your digital distributor, the waiting times went from like a week. Now you've got to wait for three weeks till your music comes out and payments were late and everything because yeah. it just went crazy because everyone was just in making music. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I've, I've, I guess through this podcast series, I've had, I've had varying conversations with, with people who were really fortunate to be able to capitalize on that time at home and create, yeah. you know, feverishly, you know, they were able to really, really embrace it. But I have had conversations with people who just weren't able to do it you know i suppose they're kind mm. of they create things from interacting with people and go places they go and places they've traveled to and just everyday yeah. life but they obviously not having that as an outlet it just it totally stifled what they were able to create and you know all that time you know in some ways it was a blessing again depending on your circumstances yeah. that time could have been a, an absolute blessing but it's been really unfortunate to talk to people who have been like i just couldn't do anything with it which is really sad yeah i'm not, again, not surprised because again some people they're, they're more outdoors they're, they're going to stu- actual studios rather than do it yeah. doing it at yeah. home and indoors and it's, it's they get out and if they can't get out then yeah and then some people, the lockdown hasn't been that great for them on a whole like mental sense, isn't it? Some people need to be moving around and getting that yeah. right frame of mind. Yeah. As a, as so, a label, how, how was yeah. that? I suppose, as you've said, as an artist, you were able to kind of create and members of your team were able to do that as well, which is awesome. But as a, as a label, like, did you find anything during that whole quarantine, you know, experience in the last year and a half? Did you find any, any, surprises and how you were and how people were receiving your music where did you find increases in certain areas and times or did things go a bit quiet or you know how how was that period for you it i found it quite unpredictable like i mean it's, it's all quite unpredictable anyway but certain parts of the year that might be where you might have done well you might not have done well whereas another time where you might not have done well you would do well and it, mm. You just couldn't predict it. There were certain people who I expected, like we put a vinyl album out, we, we got, say, 300 or so copies because we thought, yeah, they're all going to go. They didn't. You know what I mean? It was it, it was just, everything was just 
you couldn't predict it. You couldn't predict it. There were certain patterns that you would follow before that you couldn't, I couldn't follow on this occasion. You know what I mean? Just had to play it by ear. But, um, yeah. yeah, I would have thought some people, they're indoors, they just don't want to be spending buying records and stuff like that. Whereas on the other hand, some things increased. Like people just wanted records. They wanted to just play music because they're indoors. Yeah. So I don't know. It was, it was a catch 22. It was all over the place. But, um, as I say, one thing for sure is the team. They made me work because <laughs> everyone was just sending in more, um, more, more projects, more demos and stuff. Me too. I even, I even managed to get a lot more done myself. I said, "Yeah, I'm going to capitalize on this as well." Like where I'm indoors now, all of the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put, put, my, um, do some more work myself. Uh, there was uh, something I wanted to ask you about one of your early releases. Um, yeah. Uh, the uh the gadget the remix uh the still digging series that you put out um which is gosh goes back is it 2010 well that's quite far back yeah still digging yeah i was yeah i was listening to it recently they had um like the the um uh, obviously they've got jay-z uh remixes you know g talib quality but that i i honest i a huge grin at the mop versus inspector gadget kind of uh approach that you took for that song that's such a cool uh, take on it, obviously, an homage to your to the the gadget name as well, right? That was uh... yeah, yeah. Which is a catch twenty two because I'm always trying to get away from that name. <laughs> Everyone's always like, "Did they expect a gadget?" I'm like, "No, nah, I'm not that kind. I'm not, I'm not that gadget. I'm not that gadget." But that didn't help. Where, but, did, um, they... <laughs> would... where, where did the name gadget come from? I've just always been that kind of guy, like just really technical and 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 just good with my hands and electronics and stuff like that. So yeah, it was like, okay, you know, I've got various uses. I can do this. I can do that. You know, I'm just a, a gadget. For you know, that was it for me. Right in my place, it was like I couldn't afford a proper stack, and I'd like have a broke broken down tape deck, and I'd rewire that to some other little piece of equipment, and then put that in a tuner and a graphics equalizer, and then that was my setup. So everyone. You go around to the house and they've got a great Goodman's or, or Sony setup, and I've just got this hybrid of just mix up stuff. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, just things like that. People just said, Yeah, gadget. And it just stuck from. So that's where it came. I did wonder if it was because obviously the, the MOP that you used the sample, I thought that that was uh, in homage to where it came from, but. I guess not. Yeah, no. I feel I've been, they've been calling me Gadget a lot longer than many moves before that track came along. But um, that track came along because um, there was a forum. I think it was the MPC forum, and they were having a little battle, and they put the sample up, and everyone was doing their thing. Oh, and I heard a couple of beats, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna have a go because I, I wish it's just like challenging myself. Hence, why we're doing the Jazz Justice. The Jazz Justice is always based on a sample challenge. So. Um, right. Yeah, so that was my thing back then. I was always doing lab offs or beat battles like on street or online. And I saw that one and yeah, I did that and I flipped the beat but got the MOP as well because that I thought the energy just worked with the yeah. grit in those guitars in the track, in in the sample, and then just the rawness with MOP in it. When you put it together, yeah, it just worked. Yeah, it was. It's an awesome mix. Yeah, brilliantly done. So well done, dude. It's awesome. Um, I, I was thinking, like, what the first project of uh, yours that I, or, or of MJM that I kind of discovered, and I, I, I think it was your, um, uh, your Billy Holiday tribute. 
the Lady Day, uh, 100 Years yeah. of Billie Holiday. I think that was probably the first thing that I kind of managed to uh, get my hands on. So, I mean, that was obviously the year that uh, would have been Billie Holiday's uh, 100th birthday. And they had, yeah. I remember that year, there was a lot of projects. Jose James put out uh, uh, an album. Um, Cassandra Wilson put out an album. And um, uh, I think uh, it was an X Factor singer. I think Rebecca Ferguson, she put out a, a Billie Holiday tribute album as well. Like they were everywhere. But I mean, yeah. what you guys did was was a genius approach to to kind of celebrating her 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 life her music i mean how did the uh the idea to kind of tackle uh that one come about that came from a lovely lady called lucy loon gillespie she's a jazz singer in um she's from i think she's from london or england at least but she lives in france and she approached like we collaborated a few times over the years or she's been on some of the compilations. And then she got in touch and she says, yes, what do you think of this idea? And I said, yeah, excellent. Let's, let's give it a go. And we did. Then we put it to a few of the usual suspects and we got, we made a um, hundred years of Billy Holiday. What do we call it? Lady day, hundred years of Billy Holiday. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So yeah, shout out to awesome. Lucy on that one. Yeah. Yeah. She's a great vocalist. I've got a couple of her songs, I guess through, uh, I think pr- predominantly through songs, uh, that you, you guys have put out. So yeah, that's that's awesome. That was her idea. I didn't know that. So that's super cool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Some awesome tunes on that. It was yeah, it was certainly the most kind of innovative take on her music. I thought that had come out, and I'd heard a few of the the kind of tributes that people had done. And uh, yeah, this was the yeah, it was a genius approach. I thought so, taking it in this all new kind of context. So yeah, awesome stuff, game. Cheers, um, cheers. We talked about the uh, the 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 Dilla. Uh, I guess fandom as well, and there's a couple of projects that you've you've done or the label have done in sort of uh, and to celebrate his kind of his music and kind of impact yeah. on you guys. Uh, Rough Graft Revisited, which is um, oh, it's so good, and you, you obviously sent me the link to that one recently, and it's mm-hmm. some great great stuff on there. What well, you are obviously you're, you're you're a fan, I take it. Yeah, big fan, big fan. Um... Especially like when I start, was doing my writing and you know I was spending more time as an MC, um, I was particularly inspired by Slum Village. Um, so I found the group first, and then realised when I got deeper into it, I realised oh gosh, Dilla's the one that produced like Farsight from back in the day, and oh no, yeah, he's doing all of these Christ, Erica Badu yeah. tunes, and do you know what I mean? And it was like oh my god, he did half yeah. a job. Like a lot of the time, especially with Tribe Called Quest. Before I started producing, I never really looked into like some of their credits because at least with Tribe, I mean, I was always been a record collector and I've looked at credits and stuff. But with Tribe and stuff, I never owned any records or anything like that. So I never really went mm. through the um, the credits to know that Dilla was the one doing all of that. It wasn't until later on where I started getting into production and started to look to see who was behind everything. And um, yeah, so when I once I found Tribe, some of their early stuff. Um, yeah, that's when I started to realise that, yeah, Dilla produced all of these projects that I've grown up on. Yeah, yeah it's excellent. amazing. So, I yeah. think I think a lot of people, yeah, have that kind of uh, connection with him in that same way where you just, I think really late 90s, he kind of became fairly prominent uh, as, an, as a name. But when everyone went backwards, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, he's done yeah. all this other stuff that I've been enjoying and, you know, for years, which is, yeah, that's, I suppose that's, that's, 
awesome in and of itself, isn't it? So, um, yeah. I mean, how do you tackle when you have something like rough graft? How do you kind of tackle that? Like, is there a kind of a level of intimidation where you kind of, you're, you're going to try and tackle his music in that way or? Um, not at all. Again, because we're always challenging ourselves on one project or another on this one, it was, simply you know what let's give it a go and i've done a dealer project before actually i've got one where i'm on the microphone i call it mr yancey yeah. um but in this time i said you know what? i think it was the year after that and i said no nah, i want to try something on like production wise i thought i'd either go it alone or I'd ask some of the boys so i thought let me ask them first and i was like right it's on, on a monday night and i said this is the idea it was a sunday night and i said this is the idea um but we're only gonna we're not trying to remake we're not trying to copy. We're just going to use the same samples that he, made, he, he used in some of his tracks. That's it. Do two tracks each, and let's see how we go. And that was on a Sunday night, and everyone done their thing. And by Friday, it was done. Everyone went in and done two tracks. Yeah. And then I heard that my guy, our main uh, artist, James Greenway, told him how I wanted to do the sort of spin-off of the um, Rough Draft cover. Mm. and that's what he did and he come back with what I asked for and boom and it came together we did put it out on a little CD at first and sent it to the digital platforms which nothing was still happening then and then um, and that was that and then we kind of went back to it because there was a few other guys who hadn't had a goal and really loved it and all of that and I think like the anniversary was coming around again so I was like you know what let's give it another goal let's, let's revisit the album Oh, and the tapes were doing well at the time. Yeah, and my missus was like, oh, you should go put it on the tape. You should put it on the tape. So I thought, okay, there's not really many tracks on the first one. So if we get some of the other guys that wanted to get on, and then we put it on the tape. So we increased the track list. I said, then it'd be like tape worthy. And that's what we did. And we put it on the tape. And um, everyone got their copies and like in the group. And, and yeah, and then we had Rough Graph revisited. Amazing. Is there, like, do you guys talk about anyone else that you'd kind of like to kind of issue that kind of treatment to like someone whose music you like to celebrate in that same way? Um, to be fair, I think we've done quite a bit. Like if you check the earlier Jazz Jouster stuff, so I did mention where we did uh, the Locations albums, which was by Country. But yeah. before that, we done three seasons uh, uh, previous where it was all dedicated to a certain jazz artist. And that's how it started. Like I said, I always used to do battles and uh, uh, sample challenges and all of that. I used to host them on some forums as well. So I kind of went and took that same idea, but put it into a jazz thing. But this time it wasn't a competition. There was no prize. It was just, let's all sample the same song and see our different approaches to sampling jazz. At the same time, we're studying each artist as we do them. So we started with Chet Baker. Uh, sampled his Almost Blue and did a little project called Almost Blue and um, and went from there and then we did um, oh, there's a whole load of names we've done Miles Davis we've done Dorothy Ashby yeah, I'm having a blank I'd have to get the, the instrument going but yeah we did for the first season we did 10 second 10 third 10 and I think back then we were putting our albums like every two weeks which has a lot to do with why there's so many albums on, on our band camp because around that yeah. time, yeah, we, we, we were on it. We were on it. We was just really inspired. And yeah, we was doing, we were dropping an album every two weeks. Gosh. 
It's amazing. It's, it's like you, it's, it's just this amazing kind of playground, you know, where you can just it's it's become this thing where you can nurture all these kind of various creative elements, and and you have a home, you have a base for it to to all kind of be put out there for people to appreciate. It's amazing. It's, yeah, yeah, as I say, it's mad because sometimes you just getting on with it and like I said earlier that sometimes you're not really looking back at what you've done you're just always moving to the next thing and that's kind of what it was we just kept going and going and challenging ourselves and what's next and what's next and what's next and then we look back one we've got an archive but then at the same time there was a whole load of people there listening and watching what we're doing but it was like we wasn't there was no plans for no label there was no plans for anything in particular we were just challenging ourselves project after project and it just seemed we had a fan base and the archive when we turn around. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, you, you guys are coming up to a, something of a milestone year in, in like two years, right? Yeah. I mean, next year, because I, I kind of look at it like that day when I got that demo tape is sort of when it became serious, which that would have been 2008. So if technically I've kind of missed the boat on the whole the decade of the way I'm looking at it, I thought, you know, all right, it did kind of start then, but certain things never really proper kicked off for say 2022, which is probably when we started the jousters as well. There was a lot of solo artists doing well, a lot of groups that we had. And then the collective began the jousters collective started then as well. So I was right. thinking, you know what, maybe do a massive, a decade of yeah. in 2022. So yeah, next year should really be the big one. That's that. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. It's well deserved, though. I mean, it's to kind of to take those, as we said, take those pauses and kind of celebrate, you know, with the people that you've that have you know you've come up with, the people that have supported you for those years. It's it's a yeah, it's a it's a deserved thing to to do. Yeah. So I hope you you all take the time to celebrate accordingly, dude. Definitely, definitely. I mean, when we did our, I think it was the second year. We did a project called New Genesis, and it was just on a CD, and I just did all the shouts like to loads of the radio stations and a lot of the regular people that was always supporting. And I kind of want to do that now on a bigger scale. If we was to do some kind of vinyl and get like a gatefold and just can get like loads more names in there, because now there's so many more names to mention. There's been so many people that have you know been involved in, in pushing us and inspiring us and promoting us. So yeah, there's a lot of people that I would really like to shout out and let them have their name on a record you know what i mean if they want to get it and they yeah. can say yeah i'm on this one so um yeah i'd love to do that for next year oh, amazing well um i've taken up loads of your evening dude i i i want to say like again a massive thanks for well for hanging today uh, i really appreciate your your time i again you know the the kind of the mix that you you blessed us with meant uh, a lot to us so a uh, massive thank you for that i really really appreciate uh cheers, you taking the time to, to do something so so awesome so yeah and a huge congratulations to everything that you kind of that you and the team have sort of built over the years it's you know it, it grows and it gets bigger and you know i'm yeah i'm really happy for you uh for you guys you've achieved some amazing stuff so yeah it's kind of a pleasure to kind of have this time to share it with you and just to you know to share this time with you and stuff like that so yeah awesome stuff man congratulations for everything and likewise i say thanks and likewise like yeah again 
from when you popped up and you've been sending me some links to listen to some bits and bobs and yeah it's been really inspiring so i've, I've saved your the, the 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 station to my favorites and um every now and again i go and listen <laughs> to see what i can find and um big up was it mr v that did the uh, the dinner yeah, yeah i mean yeah, yeah. i think it's like 30 hours you said of um yeah, yeah. his might as well call it a documentary show, really yeah. but um yeah i will get around to <laughs> getting through that but yeah the little segment that i heard it was it was very inspiring and i've i, I learned there was a lot that i thought i knew about the guy but yeah i heard i, yeah. I learned a lot on that day too thanks man i much appreciate you uh we talked mm. about a closing song um just something that's become tradition just as a send something uh send everyone home happy with it could be something of your own it could be something from the mjm catalog or just something of uh particular significance may i ask if you had a moment to pick anything out at all i've got a track in mind i think mm. it's babel gilberto it's a remix of a tune called Argajun. yeah john beltran remix Beautiful track, beautiful okay. track. It's one of those that when I'm, you know when you're having a little downer, I put that on. It always picks me up. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. If you find it, and you'll see the cover is the cover of the movie Senna. I think it was like a Brazilian sports driver. Story is oh, really yeah. deep. Yeah, yeah. So that was ended up being the soundtrack to the movie. Yeah. So it's Babel Gilberto. Arganju, and it's the John Beltran remix. Beautiful track. Jurou conversas de lei 